greetings, commanders, and welcome to episode 255 of Lave Radio, or is that minus 128? The show about the universe of Elite and the fantastic community that surrounds it. I am your host, Commander Phoenix Sophia, Chief Archivist of Lave Station, otherwise known as Colin Ford. And joining me in the orange sidewind bar for this episode, we have our... Uh, Chief Bar Steward doing the tech this week, Grant Cycle Kyle Wolcott. Hello! We have our Deputy Trade Attaché, Commander Souverine. What up? We have our Lavian Space Program Director, Commander Kurgel. Hey, how's it going? And we have our Inhuman Resources Director, Commander Shan. Hello. I was just thinking, actually, when you, the way you said Suzerine reminded me of uh, the Beatles song, We All Live in a Yellow Suzerine. <laughs> That's not actually the, the name of the song. I, I think he was trying for a play on words there. <laughs> but mind you, you don't want us living in, in sight. You, oh, no. No, I'm, I'm channeling Ben. Ben's oh, not even here. God, he's not even here. <laughs> Let, okay, let's let's move along before Captain Innuendo makes a surprise appearance. Um, we also are joined by uh, two very fast-moving commanders. We have Alec Turner. Uh, you'll know him from all the buckyball races that have been happening. And also he handles the most interesting thread on the forums. Yeah. And uh, I'm not going to bother with a Murray Walker impersonation because I can't even get that right. Uh, <laughs> we also have... You could do David Coulthard. No, I can't. Anyway, Sunderling is also joining us from the Elite Races. Hello. Hello, and welcome welcome to this wonderfully organised madness that we have. Um, now, if you wish, you can join us live. Are we hanging out anywhere at the moment, guys? I'm not I'm not at the moment, but I'll be back in live shortly. Well, I've just right. got a little job to do. Oh, that sounds ominous. Mm. You, you're working for the man, are you, Kurgle? No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Um, so you can hang around the, the, the orange sidewinder bar near the planet Lave. I'm sure Kurgle will turn up at some point. Unfortunately, my ship is far off at the Witch Head at the moment. So, But if you cannot get to us in-game, you can also join us at the Twitch chat channel, which is you can access through laveradio.com slash live. Go and click on the live chat. And on Twitch TV slash Lave Radio. So, as per usual, we will go round everybody and see how they have been for the last week. So, um, let's get this over and done with. <laughs> Commander Psycho Cow, how's your bathroom? Hello. Yeah. Um, yeah. I just thought. I'm going about your bathroom, not your bathroom works. I just oh, okay. Out. All right. Fair enough. We'll, we'll kill. We'll kill the cast <laughs> music. I think we're going to get a lot of that tonight. Um, yes. yes. The, there's no. There's no advance on the bathroom yet. It's still functioning, uh, but there has not been any extra tiles added to the walls as yet since the last time. Um, although the factors involved in that are potentially improving. It's difficult. It is difficult. Um, as I say, my brother's health has been up and down and mostly down and he's waiting for another consultation to look at the next stage of how they're going to try and get him back to being able to bend over uh, without having to go to the oh. loo. So, oh, Lord. 
Yeah, that makes tiling difficult. Is every time you bend over and say, "Pass me a tile," you turn round and he's no longer there because he's <laughs> he's gone to the loo. Um, although I mean, I suppose he could just keep the bucket behind him. But that that is again, you know, it's one of those things. Um, <laughs> other than that, you, you need you, you need a new belt attachment where you can sort of attach a bucket to his belt so he can just waddle around with a bucket hanging beneath him. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like a horse nose bag, but uh, the other side. <laughs> the worst thing about this is I know you're now thinking, that's not actually a bad idea. I might suggest that. Oh, yeah, I'm going to get punched <laughs> in the face. Um, so, yeah, it's been. That, that's not made any progress. Um, Susie has finished Christmas almost. I, I know wow. you're all Four thinking. Months early. Yeah, it's no, no, not that Christmas. Susie's had two Christmases already due to artwork requirements. Um, so. Mm-hmm. Um, she's just finishing off that last image for Christmas and then she's free of Christmas until Christmas actually comes at which point she will not give a crap about it and won't want to know um, on the other side of things I've been, I, I did some work out in Doncum and the uh, Independent Green Party finally knocked the Beasts of Bestia out of their system and then promptly won the election that um, to get them control at the station so they're Congratulations to them. I ran a few missions for them, actually a few smuggling uh, runs, which was better than the last time when I got involved, and I did three missions, lost cargo being interdicted and blown up, and left them to it and just said, stuff it, the beast can have it. So I didn't didn't, uh, rage quit this time round, uh, which is unusual for me. So that was was a positive. That was a positive change. And uh, yeah, it's been... Euro trucking, actually, of all things. I've been doing some trucking um, in the sort of wheeled variety. Excellent. And it's got all the same boredom factors that Elite gives you, but a horn. But with wheels. Uh, And a horn. We've got lasers. We've got weapons. There's the equivalent of blowing up the truck in front of you. Yeah, but truckers have dash cams. So it's been it's been quite nice to have a couple of you know days where I just got to sit back and and play that um, and I kind of relaxed. Why am I doing this? This is what I do all the time. Kind of way, <laughs> kind of like yeah, a cook going home and playing some kind of strange chef software, or you know, I'm sick of driving. What are you going to do for relaxing? I'm going to play Euro Trucker. What's wrong with you? That's, that reminds me of all these people, all these sales reps who's, who drive up and down the motorways and then they take a break at the, the service stations and what do they do? They play driving games. <laughs> it's the way of the anyway. world. Yeah, you know, we, it's like yeah, people, when they, it's only when it's an excuse like, well, I spend the whole day cleaning so I'm not going to clean up here. <laughs> it's, it seems to have some parodies uh, out there depending on whether or not what you do for a living is fun or not fun. Um, anyway, that's about it. Uh, other than that, I don't think there's much else. Oh, we had a stream from a charity, uh, not a charity. And I need, actually, I need to check whether it's a charity or whether it is a community interest company. Uh, the differences mm-hmm. between them is subtle, um, but essentially, community—they're all held to their their charter, so they can't just go. I am a community interest char- company, and I'm going to make loads of profit and screw you. That is not that. They are essentially an easier status to get than charity status, uh, but you're held to the same kind of um, critical standards. Uh, standards. So therefore, you can go to third-party countries and uh, well, do whatever for money. 
But they were they're called um, Enable Gaming, and their concept is to bring esports to disabled communities and disabled people to allow them to compete on the same level and be part of an esports esports experience. And they did a twenty four hour stream on Friday night last night uh, last week and raised five hundred pounds for their their funding. And they have an event this weekend in Edinburgh uh, where they're mm-hmm. going to actually run a Rocket League tournament. And again, with that concept of it being accessible, um, so that's quite positive, and I hope they do really, really well this weekend. But if you're in Edinburgh and you're interested, check out enablegaming.com. Excellent. Commander Shan, how have you been for the last week? I've not been too bad. I was away last week, so we uh, went to various places around the country, Um as I said, on the Tuesday, we went to Cambridge. Uh, Wednesday, we had to stay at home because uh, there was some dodging to do. But Thursday, we drove up to Lincoln, uh, fully intending to visit the second best fish and chip shop in the country. But we didn't get there because we were distracted by the Bomber Command um, Memorial Museum thing there, which was actually really interesting. Uh, some amazing stories and and things like that and um yeah if you're into that sort of thing it's really interesting because apparently the uh, RAF bomber command had the highest percentage losses of any armed uh unit in the second world war both german Japan, japanese american anyone their, their percentage fatality rate was off the scale there so it was quite sobering, really, to walk around there and stuff. So, but it was really interesting. So, went to Lincoln, didn't manage to get to fish and chip shop, unfortunately, but hey, there's always another time. And then, uh, what else was doing in game? Uh, got myself a thyroid bobblehead. Um, which is all right. Getting, getting the Nesra alloys was a bigger pain than the um, the thyroid heart, actually. With it being a shortage and all, um, but yeah, that was that was quite fun actually. I enjoyed the fact they've got a cosmetic item you actually have to earn, not just buy in the store. So I, I thought that was good. And uh, after twenty three hours, I think it was my third account got trade elite. So it took me twenty three hours to get trade elite on that uh, this week. That's in total game time, so that's quite good. So yeah, I've had quite a productive week really. Yes, um, did, didn't, uh, on the subject of Bomber Command, um, our, our Prime Minister sort of called on the armed forces to, to help out with the Whaley Bridge thing, and I must admit, I was quite surprised to see in Twitter the uh, uh, the Dambuster Squadron replied with the phrase, uh, right, what kind of help do you mean? That was actually, I didn't see that, but yeah, that's quite, that's, that, that's pretty funny, actually. I enjoyed that. But yeah, some of the stories, they they had there, like um, apparently 617 Squadron, when they were training for the Danvers' raid, they practiced low-level night flying. And of course, they only had instruments, so there's no radar on anything. And they would fly under power pylons in their mm-hmm. Lancasters. But one would be the normal way up, and one would be inverted on top of that. So they're flying like a Lancaster sandwich at night under power pylons. I didn't think you could fly Lancasters upside down, to be honest. That's, that's, that is some seriously scary flying. And 
And I have trouble parking, you know. It's just... Yeah. <laughs> Man. So, uh, moving on to Commander Kurgle, how have you been for the last week? Yeah, I've been pretty good. Uh, I've just started getting all of the stuff for my next module at uni, so I'm starting to read up on that. We don't start term for another month, but figure if I get a bit on top of it now, it'll free up some time later. And uh, in-game, I've been starting to turn my focus away from collecting engineering materials because it was driving me insane, mm. and instead turned my attention to collecting um, Guardian materials, which is slightly more fun because... Uh, you know, they're a bit more interactive sites. Yeah, uh, but yeah, skippers. that really. So yeah, starting to just get uh, get all my bits together for some decent Thargoid playing weapons. Excellent. Um, right, Commander Souverine, how have you been? Uh, great, thanks. Um, what have I been doing? I have... I went to... Um, every year, uh, My one of my best mates has a barbecue in, um, in his garden and um, in his palatial house in uh peterborough which has which costs less than my house and has about 15 times the bedrooms um which is really quite irritating um and um that's what happens when you when you live in london sadly um and there's there's four couples who all descend on his garden every year um and uh, they are all elite dangerous friends um funnily enough which is very fun um and uh so we yeah we turned up i took four bottles of nice wine and somebody else took a keg of beer and somebody else took a a big three kilos of ribeye or something um and we all rocked up on the saturday and then just grilled meat and drank and made merry um and then uh sunday morning he dispatched us with bacon sandwiches and hopped on the train and came back home um so that was very fun and then, uh, apart from that, it's just been much of a muchness. And in game, I I haven't actually been doing anything in game because I um, I'm actually taking a bit of I'm taking a bit of a break from Elite. Um, it seemed like a, a good get time. off the show. Get off the show. How can you be on the radio for Elite and not play the game? Honestly, I play the game plenty. I'm just taking a little break from it right now. Um, so, um, but yeah, you guys, th- th- this is me keeping my end in being on live radio. Nothing, nothing to do with um, a certain other game that's supposed to be getting an update. So. <laughs> nothing at all. Might be tangentially linked to another. Uh-huh. Game. <laughs> yes. Get off my game. <laughs> oh dear. Yeah, we might have to do a Lee Radio special on that new one if 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 everybody is up on it. But uh, <laughs> I think, uh, yeah, but I think we'll come back to that at another time. Um, right. Well, we'll say hello to um, uh, Commander Alec Turner. Um, what have you been up to for the last uh, week or so? Hello. Um, what have I been doing? Well, it was my birthday last week. Oh, happy birthday! So, um, which I spent rather boringly in work, but I went to uh, went to Nebworth at the weekend, which was quite cool. So Nebworth had a steam fair, which uh, rather strangely it was a steam fair, but it also had um, uh, let's see, it had uh, some recreation of um, the Knights of the Round Table. It had some cowboys doing stunt riding. It had a dog show. Uh, uh, can't remember. It had all sorts of different things going on. It's quite good. And in game, I've been falling off the Pemesh Ridge again because I thought I'd go back and improve my time. Ah. I, seem to, I seem to have completely forgotten how to do it, and I've lost uh, 10 SRVs off the side so far, which is really annoying. 
Is it the same one that me and Ben did? It is, yeah, yeah. Oh, God, that's horrible. I mean, I, was, I used to be quite good at it, but I seem to have completely lost the knack, and I just can't <laughs> stay on the damn ridge. It's really annoying. <laughs> Commander Sunderling, welcome. First time on the show, I believe. It is, thank so, um, what have you been up to for the last week? Um, I'm actually on holiday at the moment. I'm over in Norway, which is very oh. nice. So, um, yeah, enjoying, thankfully, enjoying the fields. Indeed, but um, I also have access to a PC with uh, all the relevant kit, so I can still play Elite, which is great. So, um, yeah, I've been kind of being a tourist and kind of also playing. So, uh, um, and in game. Um, Pretty much the usual hooning about on planet surfaces, and um, and uh, yeah, th this week I was uh, finally convinced by a, a racer called Terracidic to um, have a go at doing the Okinura Sprint Challenge, which I did, and um, yeah, did okay on that. So, yeah. highly recommend Okinura Sprint to everybody. It's great fun. Can I can I just chip in there when he, when he says okay, what he means is he's now the lead, the top of the leaderboard. There's some modesty going on there. Well, it would be wow. challenged not to be, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Bravo, that was an awesome run, by the way. Excellent. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> right. Well, um, just to bring people up to date, uh, I'm down at the Witch's Head Nebula. Um, I'm trying to help out the anti-Xeno initiative by taking out uh, Thargoid Scouts in the Eagle Eye systems. And like yourself, Alec, something I used to be quite good at, I've found that I'm not any good at anymore. <laughs> so far, I've now lost two Crate Mark IIs to Thargoid Scouts, and, and I'm going to have to practice a bit more to get good. Um, I get swamped if there are more than four, and sometimes uh, when you go into a um, HSS that uh, has other ships in it, you know that you're going to get more than more than four scouts. And to tell you the truth, I've now learned that's when I should run <laughs> because um, they they come in about six or eight of them. And they're not just plain marauders. There are there are inciters and regenerators as well, and they basically rip my ship apart. So um, I'm going to need to get good. And um, how many ships did you lose to docking? None. Why? <laughs> well, you said you were rusty, so you know. I thought, well, oh, well, no, do you use a docking computer? I don't use a docking computer, Shan. Gee, it, rusty as in taking on Thargoid Scouts, rusty. I used to go through them like a hot knife through people. But, you know, I don't seem to be able to do that anymore. I need to get get the edge back, which will be um, take a little while. Anyway, moving on from my inadequacies flying around the... Uh, uh, flying around the... the uh, the systems. Um, we have some development news. Uh, well, believe it or not, there's not much new about the September update. We've still all we've got really is still just the uh, what we got a LaveCon really. Um, but they have announced that Galnet is changing. Now uh, there's a little bit of confusion about these Galnet changes. To be honest, it does seem that uh, Galnet itself they're they're stopping doing. All the the flavor stories, you know, the stuff about the uh, the politics that are happening in the background that really don't affect the the gameplay. Now they have said that they will be focusing on uh, basically 
news that will relate to in-game events and you know enclave issues and 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 things like that however just quickly going around the group does this sound as if they're, they're actually cutting back here on galnet who'd like to go first i'll go first um it's ambiguous the one one of the i, I won't read it verbatim because i don't have it in front of me but one of the one of the things uh steve benedetti says and apologies if i've mispronounced his name is um we are the sentence is something like we are reducing the number of galnet stories we we produce that's the sentence it is very difficult to not read that as a reduction in galnet a diminution of of galnet however he also implies in the post that they that they have identified the inconsequential fluff articles for want of a better word whether mm. you think of them as that or not as something that they don't want to continue but other things are something they do want to continue that the ambiguity for me is over is whether they are just reducing the total by cutting out the fluff pieces mm. or they are replacing the fluff pieces with stuff that has the stuff that has gameplay relevance the so so that's that's sort of question one that hasn't been cleared up question two is the nature of these gameplay releases and they talked about um they talked about uh new ships and modules i imagine there will probably be um there will probably be like store promotions and things um i and it the way it was worded it could very easily turn into uh this is what's coming in the next update these are the ships that are coming these are the modules that are coming these are, this is what's on sale in the steam store uh, on the frontier store this week um which would completely which which would make it feel very much not like galnet and a little bit more like a newsletter um so i guess yeah i i, I guess sort of uh the ambiguities there it would be great to to get a bit of clarity over them i don't know if anybody else read anything different into it Alec, do you want to take that? Because I've noticed you've got something in the, the show notes. Yeah, yeah, I guess. I mean, it was interesting. I, I, I was following the forum thread, which, you know, and my reaction was negative. And then everyone else's reaction seemed incredibly negative. And then I sort of stopped and went back and reread the, the thing that Stephen posted because I was thinking, I don't think he actually, there were pros and cons. And I think for me, the problem is, I've just got it in front of me. I'm just trying to find the wording. So, so it sort of says, you know, they're going to stop focusing on stuff that really isn't, doesn't have any relevance in game. And I'm kind of okay with that in a way, as long as they replace it with something else. And then he says it will concentrate on in-game activity. That sounds great. That sounds like they're going to talk about um, uh, races or what the Smiling Dog crew are up to or, um, you know, some exploration expedition or some achievement that somebody's made or some fuel rats rescue. But then it goes on to say, such as, release of new ships and modules, significant narrative developments, i.e. stuff that Frontier do, not stuff that the Frontier the players do. And, and that's my problem. Concentrating on in-game activity, brilliant. But then there's such as is not in-game activity, it's Frontier activity. I mean, is it a case where um, people, uh, they'll, they'll work, you know, they'll, they'll talk about what some of the squadrons and some of the factions are up to? Or is it so. just... Uh... I mean, if they do, that'd be great. But I wish he phrased it better then to suggest, you know, if he did such as squadron activities and ex expeditions. and mm. But their such as is all frontier stuff. 
Yeah. Um, well, I mean, one of the, the most interesting posts um, or messages, we've had one from Ian Do uh, Doncaster, which has said that, you know, this kind of stuff actually worries him. It, it, I think he's. You've covered the point. Everyone's covered the point where it says the amount of gal. If this means that the amount of galnet content won't change, but the percentage that's related to the in-game comment will increase, then it's a positive thing. I think a lot of people are there going, "Oh, hang on a second. Does this mean we're getting cuts in content?" And they haven't confirmed that whether it is a cut in content or not. It's difficult, but I've, I've come into minds because on, on the one side, I love the fluff stories. You know, they really, they were kind of a part of the mystery because you thought, well, this Diamondback Explorer that appeared and then disappeared years ago, is that connected to something called, you know, all these spurious links that may or not be there. It was fun to speculate and, you know, the fluff stories were all part of that. Um, on the other hand, not having the fluff stories means you can actually concentrate on what's going on in the game without the distractions. Um, mm. But, of course, the, the, the biggest question we have is what on earth is Pete Wotherspoon going to do now? <laughs> yes. There's, there's a, there, there is, is, is a fantastic contribution that's been made. For, he's been doing that for three years, believe it or not. I think he, um, he's, he's almost up to 300 episodes. So, oh, wow. Fair play to him. They'd better give him a golden sidewinder. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> I mean, one of the things that Ian actually comes across is sort of he says, if they, you know, if they if they use these this new Galnet stuff properly, they could actually lay the groundwork for interstellar initiatives well in advance, just to uh, build up the narrative for them. I mean, that's been one of the the complaints about these interstellar initiatives that it feels like they're just happening. There hasn't been any preamble or build up. And that is the thing, isn't it? Because now, whenever a Galma article appears, you're going to know it's leading up to something, and that element of mystery is going. So, I don't know. I just don't really like the idea of it, but I guess if it's a choice between having more meaningful narrative with more background leading up to the interstellar initiatives or more fluff, I think I'll take the former. They were never mutually exclusive, though. They, you know, it, two things. One, they've Frontier have never used Galnet to to um, the only thing that they they that has the Galnet has ever been used in that way for was Premonition, whereby Galnet was seeded with articles that 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 led up to Premonition for months beforehand. Mm -hmm. um, apart apart from that, Galnet has ne has never Galnet's never been used by the devs for dropping articles here and there to 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 set the groundwork for a, a big narrative set piece um earlier somebody said something about um people were saying that it galnet you know the, these these in-game in-game news could refer to what players do but again frontier have never used galnet for that it takes it takes absolute herculean effort to get them to feature any player activity in galnet at all um, Distant Worlds managed it after something like eighteen months of planning and and having had and having um, organised an expedition for a thousand people beforehand. If you have if you don't have those credentials and you're not willing to put the the work in, 
it just doesn't happen. Like Gamma has never been used the to highlight su- player activity like that. Sorry, Kogel. No, the thing I was just going to similar to your point. The thing I'm surprised they didn't do when they put like the codex in. I was expecting us to start getting news in Galnet about this commander has discovered, you know, the first weird alien cloud or, Mm -hmm. and like you do get discoveries listed like that in the codex, but none of that spills onto Galnet either. Um, Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I'd love to find out on Galnet that some guy that, you know, has discovered a new thing or been the first to do something. I'd love to read that in Galnet. Well, also, and the game should be able to mine that data out of the, you know, if, if the codex can. Yep. Okay, so Varin, can you take this and then we'll pop over to Shan? Oh, and then Cycle, oh, then Cycle Cow. Yeah, um, I, I, I guess the, um, the, the problem is that there are many, many categories of what players do in the game. And, and if, if, and Frontier have stayed clear of basically all of them. Back back when you could submit your own Galnet stories, occasionally you'd see something that slipped through the filters along the lines of, or it, it, I think it was Ian Dingwall who did it, um, who chose what went in. Oh, and it would be so-and-so's accomplished a circumnavigation of the galaxy or something like that, like a re- really impressive achievement. But, you know, there, there are lots of different categories of what players do. You've got events like the Burr Pit are organizing a week, uh, uh, a series of day trips out of the bubble soon for their community that that could go in you've got um you've got races like we're going to be talking about later with the elite racers and buckyballers you've got um player conflicts you've got power play news and some of those are appropriate and some of them aren't things like player conflicts are too they're too gnarly they're too they're too knotty there's too many sides to the to, to the debate they're normally toxic just you know I don't. I wouldn't blame people. I wouldn't blame Frontier for from steering clear. But things like player events, where somebody's actually taking time out to not play the game and write up write up itineraries and and put together forum posts to organise things to create content for players. There's there really isn't there there aren't any good reasons not to do that. And there are many many really good reasons why it make the game better um, to to put that stuff in. Okay, Sean. Yes, I was just thinking back to the initial release of Beyond and how Galnet Audio was touted as a big feature of release, you know, how it would be Galnet now. So mm-hmm. I was just kind of wondering what was the point in Galnet Audio? Um, what I think has happened is the people who write Galnet news have probably been put on a project that requires more of their time and this is the only way they could actually free up their time to do the other thing um the other thing i would like to see which would be hilariously funny and also hilariously bad would be to procedurally generate gallant news <laughs> no, you talk to Dr. Stroud about that because uh, he has to write procedurally generated plot for Phoenix Point and he's finding that a bit of a challenge, shall we say. Cal? Yeah, I just thought, you know, <clears throat> Shan touched on it there that, you know, bringing it back to related to development and uh, the frontier way of working. Um, <clears throat> I've got a feeling we are about to hit the 2020 major update. And we could be looking at a series of processes to stop using antiquated architecture and start mm-hmm. preparing the software for the new launch. Now, I can't imagine that the stories in the Galnet, because when you think about Elite, the stories and the new stories are critical 
they are part of yes. your whether you read the books on the side or you you know you checked in the bulletin boards, whatever. <clears throat> it's become a critical part of of what you think Elite Dangerous is, and so to to just dismiss it out of hand and let it go and never go back seems to be to be not like them. Um, so I would err on the side of you have to wait and see what's coming in the 2020 because as you say they've just introduced the Galnet audio and it seems like an awful waste of effort to bring that in and then re- you know retire it but if the actual structure of how the news is created and stored and then distributed is now becoming a problem for what they want to do then you can expect a wee transitional stage like this so maybe it's more Hopefully it's more that, and that they're going to come back with stuff and include, because I think you're right, the player um, discoveries and things like that, the little nods, the little hero mentions that encourage people to play to get their name in Galnet for positive reasons is a huge uh, encouragement for people to play the game, you know? And, mm. and I think that's... yeah. When you've got a, a conflict, you're, again, yeah, you're right, player conflicts are always based on nonsense, and the reasons and stuff behind them don't tend to be very well role-played. But you've got some large groups that make really good stories for their own internal events and things like that. And to highlight that in Galnet would be a nice nod to your active player groups, you know? And yeah, that might go against the small individual players, but you can find ways to include them as well. I still think you should be getting, you know, uh, reports after a community goal or interstellar initiative that highlights the heroes from that and mentions them by name in the news. So that, that would they, be awesome. Yeah, so that they do have that recognition. Mm. What, the top ten, you mean? Well, just, you know, think about, you know, for example, the stats that they can pull, because we know, because we do. Um, and we, if we, they'll have better access to the data than we do. But if you can pull out, you know, this poor, the, the, like the best trier, that commander Jonah, who went through 15 to 16 ships in one day's attempt in that community goal. <laughs> that kind of stuff, you know. Spoon. Yeah, yeah, like just, but just, that's engaging with community. And when you engage with community, you bring in a huge amount of brand loyalty. And those are the kind of fans that you have a hard time getting rid of. So you better make sure you want them. But more importantly, it's it creates a buzz, it creates attachment, and that's you know, that's definitely what they need. Okay, Suvereign, or is he gone? Suvereign, Suv. Sorry, sorry, sorry. I, I, I muted myself. Um, totally agree. And Psycho Cow is is um, with his charitable interpretation of events um, could very easily be the case that there's lots of backstage work going on to to revolutionize the way that Galnet works or its equivalent works in the future. Um, There is no good reason why that couldn't have come from Frontier, if that's the case. Um, You know, if that that is the case, then all this negativity could have been avoided if the message had said, guys, we're we're slowing down Galnet a bit ahead of a a rework next year to coincide with the next year update. Um, Don't worry. Uh, you know, it'll it'll be worth it, or something like that. Just you know, th- there are there are many many ways that it could have been communicated to not sound like a permanent diminution. Shan, yeah, I was just listening to Psycho Karen's and Sue, and a few things kind of occurs to me about it. Um, the first one is for me the ethos of elite is about being basically an anonymous dot in the vast blackness of space. So singling players out for special 
snowflakeness would seem to go against that the role, you know, the, the, the elite, the thing that makes elite elite in that you are a worm, you are just a dot. So singling players out would just seem to be like a vanity exercise and that would then potentially lead to players trying to get in down their news as in to try and get in their 15 minutes of fame. So I can kind of understand that bit going. Um, the other part is, well, we don't really know how much content is replacing it. So... I'm, I'm holding far on being too negative because we don't know what's being replaced. The other thought, and this brings on to what Suverine uh, was saying uh, about saying actually to concentrate, you know, work on 2020, we are doing this and this. That potentially sends a bad message to investors, i.e., we don't have enough resources to do everything we want, so therefore we're pulling people off. And yes, that may well be the case, and to some investors that may well be, you know, the message that they're being told. But to publicly admit you haven't got the people to do what you want to do and have to cut back is a very difficult message to send sometimes. So I'm kind of not surprised they're putting a spin on it, to be honest. Sunderling. Yeah, I just wanted to chip in really and think that, I mean, regardless of what what changes will come or, or what it ends up being. I think there is so much of an opportunity that, that Galnet is basically, you know, at its core, the news of what's going on in the galaxy. And that galaxy is populated by players, either individuals or in groups. And I think that done, done right, the stories that could emerge from group activity could encourage people to participate more in community type events, encourage people to run community events. And they, therefore it would, it would give a, give a sense of life to the galaxy in a way, which at the minute frontiers seem to be taking largely on their own shoulders. You know, mm. it's only life in our galaxy. If it's like, <laughs> it's life as we know it, you know, Stargoids or it's humans. <laughs> um, but, but that's the entirety of the story. And it would be very nice if, um, if that story could, uh, in my mind, reflect more of the, the comings and goings of the actual population of real people who populate it. Yeah. Right. Can I just add on to okay. Sunderland's point there? Um, I, uh, some listeners probably be aware that um, uh, I'm part of Sagittarius I, and we've been doing that for two years. The single biggest point that I've, the single biggest learning from from doing that has been that players primarily like reading about what they and other players have been up to. Like it's just yeah, you know, consistently our most popular articles are the ones that detail what players have been doing in the game. Players love reading about what or or, or listening to or or um, you know they, they they love news about what they and people like them have been doing in the game because it makes it it makes their actions feel more impactful. Sorry, that's what I wanted to add that. Well, I mean, um, personally, I think it's a. Uh, I'll just put in my two pennies here. Um, it's going to be a case of wait and see what they do, isn't it? It's it's one of those things that uh, we're going to have to see whether or not it's a it is actually a cut or whether or not it's being replaced. Um, I think everybody, as soon as people say we're removing stuff like that, everybody goes, "Oh no, cuts!" And then there's a tendency to 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 uh, feedback loop so that it's a lot worse than it actually is. But uh, I don't know, knowing that they're probably focusing a lot more on the 2020 update at the moment. It might be a cut. Alec? 
Oh, I, I was just going to say that, you know, Stephen Bennett, he wrote that forum thread and he was like, oh, you know, we're, we, we're interested in your feedback. Uh, I managed to get a post in fairly early, which was kind of, you know, have we, have we misinterpreted you? We're all kind of upset, but have we misinterpreted your wording? You know, and I hadn't seen a response from that. And I was in a live stream every day and I said, you know, have we, have we misinterpreted the meaning of your forum post? And again, he didn't respond to that. So I, I don't know. It annoys me that they don't. They say they're listening and they want our feedback, and then they don't respond. I don't know. Yeah, well, I'm I'm I'm, I'm afraid to say some. There are times when Frontier go absolutely tight-lipped on those kind of things, and you don't get the res- any kind of response, which normally means <laughs> the worst case is true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I was just thinking in live streams and even even in the forums they they have to keep on message. So they are told by their managers and whoever, this is what you have to say. This is the message we want to come across. So people like Will and, and Co, they probably don't have a choice of not being able to respond because they're told yeah, this right. is the message and they have to stay on that. So as frustrating as we find it, and I'm sure they find it frustrating as well, it's kind of, what they have to do, they have to keep our message, and that's probably part of the frustrations of being a community manager, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, we know that um, the about three, four months ago, uh, four months before LaveCon, there was uh, a whole lot of threads while saying that carriers, uh, fleet carriers had been dropped from the game and stuff like that. And and you could tell that uh, Paige and, and Sally in particular were basically saying, listen, guys, they're not cancelled. We just can't talk about them just yet. And of course, when the reveal happened at, at LaveCon, um, I think it's, it's fair to say that the um, that the reaction of the community team of, right, now we can tell you, told you you weren't losing them, was quite palpable. That's interesting. But they didn't tell us anything other than they're coming. So, you know, it's... A- yeah, I know. I know. But at least at least we know they are coming, which is more than we knew a couple of uh, a, a couple of months before LaveCon, because everybody just thought that it was vaporware. So, um, shall we move on to the featured commander? I was going to suggest oh, we right. talk about Etienne Dorn. Colin. <laughs> Really? And what would you like to talk about him then, Shan? Well, apparently, he, um, the, Etienne, the Etienne Dawn character in-game resembles a certain actor who um, played the emotional vampire in Into the Shadows and other places. And Colin, you promised to pronounce his name. For okay. Well, ladies and gentlemen, please charge your glasses. Um, Mark Pereshk. Is, is what I would have a try at. <laughs> and the proper answer is? I haven't got a clue. I haven't tried. Oh, right, okay. that oh that, that's handy, Shan. You it, looks like, it looks like pricks. Pr- pricks. Yeah, pricks. I that's a really unfortunate surname, if it is how you pronounce it, isn't it? Yeah. It's quite heavy on consonants. Richard Head. Yes, I'm quite sure. <laughs> Certain character that we know quite well. Anyway, um, well, leaving that behind, uh, with the featured commander this week 
being Commander Tukoso, otherwise known as Tom Cook. One of the things that uh, Tom is famous for is it the is it the song "Let's All Jump Together"? Yes, yeah, he does. Let's jump together. Yeah, um, which I do know is a, a favourite of uh, many members of this crew. So, uh, yeah. And um, they were, were talking not only to, to him, but also to Ben, to Commander Spatula Rose 7, Commander Turgeon, and Commander Ascorbus um, uh, in, on, in some of the uh, basically uh, collaboration and uh, stuff that we do. We even get a, a, a fantastic Leave Radio Hollow. I thought that, that was fantastic, that one. Don't see it on the advertiser boards, so. Ah, oh, well. So, um, moving on from there, we have had the, obviously, the conclusion of the Enclave Interstellar Initiative. Uh, this came to an end last Thursday, and uh, Frontier gave us a reward, or rather, the opportunity of earning a new reward. Now, Shan, I do believe you've already managed to get this. <sighs> Uh, yes, you need one Pygoite Harp and ten Meta Alloys. And you head to a human tech broker mm-hmm. and trade them in. And they gift you with a unlock for a Thargoid bobblehead. Um, so it, it's not too difficult, to be honest, to, to, to get the relevant bits. The, um, the Meta Alloys can still be found at Daniel's Progress. Yeah, um, if you got money, but they've gone, they've doubled in price at so two hundred thousand credits wow. rather than one hundred thousand. Or you can go to one of the many um, barnacle sites and farm your own. Yeah. Um, little tip: like if you unlock the sixteen-ton um, cargo bay, it's it's a lot easier because the thyroid heart is corrosive in nature, mm-hmm. and so if you have a uh, if you don't have one, it, it, you can be unlucky and get the thyroid heart in the wrong place. But yeah, it, I I really like it. I mean, the bubble head's okay because it's it's a bubble head. But what I like is I think I mentioned earlier it's a in-game cosmetic reward that's actually earned through gameplay, mm-hmm. not not the store. And yeah. I, I, I do I do I do congratulate Frontier for doing this sort of thing, and I hope they do it more because. It encouraged me to go out and kill proper Thargoids again, just to get the uh, the um, the bobblehead. So, I, I think having that sort of thing is an incentive for players to go and try something new. I mean, there's no reason if you can't take the an uh, interceptor out on your own, you could wing up and you could take turns and stuff. And there are builds um, within the Anti Xeno Initiative you can you can try out um, that makes it pretty easy to do so yeah i think it's a really good really good reward and uh, i enjoyed collecting it yeah um i mean there has been some controversy about this the fact that oh we've just ground to do a a uh, to do the enclave and you want us to do some more grinding for the reward um personally i don't agree with that because Basically, I don't think it's that difficult. It's not that much. and uh, But also, first of all, it's using something up, the Thargoid Heart, which never had a use for before. That's nothing... right. It's not, it's not really a grind. It took me, what, 20 seconds to take down the Interceptor? It's not. It's not difficult. Yeah, but that's you, Shan, isn't it? <laughs> the average Joe in their Cobra Mark III, well, let's be honest, what will they be flying? Um, let's see, a crate. 
You say a creep, Mark, too. Well, 20, 20 seconds is, is slow. I, I was slipping. But, yeah, it, it's oh, not sure. difficult. No, well, I know you. The, the, uh, the builders on YouTube and stuff, basically, you use premium ammo and Guardian shard cannons. Largely, mm. you just hit it in a, you know, several times, and, it, and you out-DPS healing, and off it blows. So, you know, it's not a mega challenge but so it wasn't a grind i think it would be a grind if you didn't have the guardian cannons and didn't have any guardian equipment and then had to go through the guardian stuff to collect the the stuff i could see how it could be conceived as a grind but the the, the skill bar isn't that high for this um i don't sound terrible but it, it's not you get together with people you join the anti-xeno initiatives with people they all teach you and there are builds now to kill cyclopses mm -hmm. anything from a sidewinder upwards so i think it's just a matter of getting involved and try and don't, not being afraid to give it a go yeah i mean i, I mean believe it or not shan i'm actually agreeing with you i'm i'm looking forward to getting a, a thargoid heart myself in the next couple of weeks just to just to, to fill it out, and I, I like the fact that they're using um, they're using bits that um, we haven't used before, and it's the same with the uh, uh, a lot of the components left over from the scouts. It's as if you know there's, there's the possibility of to trade them in for something, but nothing has really appeared. Do you um uh, is the way you earn them just um you just get the heart and the other gubbins, and then you you unlock them in the tech broker or do yep. you have to, okay. So you don't have to go to the, the store or anything. Nope. No, no, no. Cool. Apply to the human tech broker and unlock them. And then that's then unlocked for any ship you choose. So you only yep. need to do it once. Yeah. It's not, it's not as if you've got to do um, it every single time for, for each ship you've got. So that's, that's yeah. And, <laughs> and as Pegasus, as Pegasus said in chat, there are plenty of people in game who are willing to help people get hearts too. So, you know, if, if you really want to and you want help, and there are people around, there are communities, and yeah, I, I think it's a real positive thing to be honest. Hmm. Uh, also, you could uh, use a website such as EDWRTB, uh, which does allow you to look for commanders who are willing to um, sell you uh, Thargoid hearts in exchange for other forms of cargo. Think about it as sort of uh, eBay for, for Elite. Not that I'm putting a plug in <laughs> there in any way. <laughs> so, um, moving on from uh, the end of the Enclave, uh, did you think that was a, a, an apt reward for for the Enclave? I, I was quite surprised when it came out. I thought that, that was... It seemed apt. Yeah, I it, think it's pretty good. It did, but it seemed a little out of character, so to speak. It, it kind of was different to a different consequence in the story. Um, mm -hmm. But in terms of as a reward for effort and stuff, yeah, I, I, I think it's great. So you would you, in the future, would you prefer these kind of things at the end of these events instead yeah, of, I say, would. a special gun or special kind of equipment? I don't think it should replace it. There's a place for both. I think, I think probably cosmetics... Bobbleheads are great because you can see them. Um, ship, ship kits are great cause, and, and paint jobs because other people can see them. There's, there's places for both, and there's both um, are, make good rewards. Um, so I don't, I don't think they should replace guns and things. I think probably a lot of people would say that we'd rather have things like bespoke cosmetics that you can only earn through this 
than um, guns that are just reskin versions of other things that um, that that don't alter the game particularly. If that makes sense. Completely, Alec. Oh, yeah. Alex, first. Uh, yeah, I, 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 that's a, kind of a question for Supreme, actually. So on last week's show, I seem to remember Supreme um, describing the, the proceedings of the Enclave a bit like, you know, the colonization of the America and the, and, uh, and the tragedy of the Native American. And I, I just wondered how he feels that the sort of punchline is that what we now have to do is, is rip out their heart in exchange for bubblehead. <laughs> I, haven't, um, uh, I haven't thought about that, but yeah, that is... <laughs> That's incredibly yeah. macabre. I mean, well, we're well, going along with that analogy, we're scalping then, aren't we? <laughs> yeah. It's, well, it's I mean, getting bargoids is a bit of a turkey shoot as well, isn't it? So, you know, there you've got the Thanksgiving app. <laughs> <laughs> if they were humanoid, it would be it would be viewed as incredibly <laughs> macabre. Oh, I think you're on dodgy ground there. Yeah. <laughs> So, moving along from the ethics of um, a non-existent uh, race, (laughs) (laughs) murdering a non-existent race, even though we're all feeling guilty about it, not really. Um, This Thursday, um, FDEV will be uh, having DAV doing either the same or a similar presentation that we got on the background simulation at LaveCon. That will be at the usual time of uh, 7 p.m. GMT uh, on the uh, the live stream. Uh, we've all, all, all of those who are at LaveCon, we've all seen this. It's a very, very in-depth uh, and detailed um, examination of how the background simulation was changed at the end of Beyond. Um, let's see, um, Shan, would you recommend this? If you're into BGS, yes. The thing I when I when I heard it at Mavecon that I had to keep remembering is that he was talking about this is stuff that has already happened, mm-hmm. not that is going to happen in the future release. So it, when he's describing how the BGS has changed, it is retrospective, it's not going forward. So I think if you've got that in the back of your mind, what he's saying will make more sense. Um, so yeah, I, I found it quite interesting actually. Um, and again, when he goes through it, you're just thinking just how big are these guys' brains to code all this and make it all relate to each other. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, they were dealing with data structures that went to sort of like was it five or six dimensions, and that that really blew my mind to try and visualize it. Uh, I mean, I'm used to dealing with with arrays with uh data structures down to four, but I've never had to worry about going as far as eight, which <laughs> that, that does make, have a tendency to make my, my brain melt. I can't wait to watch that. It'd be really interesting. Yeah. So, um, and so the thing for, about, oh, go on, sorry. sorry. No, the, the thing about when Dav explains stuff, he makes it all sound so easy is he'll just toss in something. Oh, I just did this and this and this. And, <laughs> and he does, he, he sort of makes it, you know, as if he's coding print hello, go to 10 sort of thing. You know, and it's, yeah. it's way more complicated than that. Oh, yeah. I mean, when he threw up a lot of the standard deviation graphs, I just went, oh, God, no, that's bringing back flashbacks. <laughs> um, no. Um, 
Dav does have a knack for being able to make something incredibly complex sound incredibly simple. And then you try it yourself and you realize it is actually incredibly complex. So, <laughs> so that will be this Thursday. Uh, for those of you who are interested. Um, obviously, we didn't have a newsletter this week, but we did have a store alert of some new ASP paint jobs. Um, that was a surprise, actually. I wasn't expecting anything to come f uh, for the ASP at all because I thought everybody had moved on to create phantoms. <laughs> Is it the, um, the Explorer? ASP forever. ASP forever. <laughs> Yeah, I thought it was create phantom in front of everything and in front of things now, not not the other way around. Well, the create phantom is substantially more expensive than an asp. I mean, you you might have to wait an extra hour or so before you <laughs> get. Yeah, don't get me started on that then. Um, well, uh, what we're going to do is we will uh, have a quick advert break, and we'll come back with our main discussion uh, with Alec Turner. And uh, <laughs> and Sanderling to discuss moving very quickly. life, choose a ship, choose a career, choose a cargo, choose a f***ing big ship, choose palladium gold and electrical tin openers, choose good health, local estrel and ship insurance, choose fixed interest loan repayments, choose a space station, choose your friends, choose leisure wear and matching luggage, choose a paint job and hire purchase and a range of f***ing colours. Choose decals, exploration, and wondering where the f you are on a Sunday morning. Choose sitting in that chair, running mind-numbing, spirit-crushing trade routes, stuffing f***ing junk food in your mouth. And choose rotting away at the end of it all, pissing your last in the void, with no one out there to hear you bury or do anything as you drift away in cold space. And there's some f comes along to steal your ship, your cargo and your clothes, leaving your bones floating out in space. Choose your future. Choose life. But why would I want to do a thing like that? I choose not to choose life. I chose something else. And the reasons? There are no reasons. Who needs reasons when you've got onion heads? And welcome back. Um, well, one of the things that uh, took everybody by surprise when they showed off the September um, uh, update was that uh, there was what seemed like the possibility of fly uh, well, some of the training missions had commanders flying through certain numbered gates. As soon as that was seen, a lot of people went, we can use that to create 
racetracks and we could have races and, and stuff like that. So um, we haven't had anything official from uh, Frontier, whether or not they, they could put that in. But we thought we would bring along two of the most well-known racing groups uh, and and discuss, you know, what it would be, what would need to be done uh, to put either um, flight races or, um, or basically um, SRV races into the game. So, uh, Alec, um, you yeah. organise the Buckyball, which is normally uh, ground based. Mm, no, but we'll come on to that. <laughs> okay, fair enough. I'm just, I'm just thinking of, of falling off large cliffs like you said you were doing. But yeah, um, yeah so you, you've you've organised these kind of races before, uh, and uh, obviously Commander Sandling, you did the same. Starting with you, Alec, what do you think? I mean, would you like to see those kind of gates in in the game that you can either it being being pre-populated or being able to create your own yeah it's it's interesting i mean the reason i created um as a forum thread about this discussion which has been really interesting actually one of the reasons i created that is i I kept hearing people particularly after that little um teaser of the sort of gate fly through of people going oh people like alec turner are going to love you know racing stuff if frontier do racing support and I was sort of thinking, well, actually, I'm not sure I would. I mean, I wouldn't dis. I, I don't dislike it, but I don't kind of. I almost don't want it for my own needs because I think the way we do races, uh, the Buckyball Racing Club, is works really well. It's a, it's a really social thing. Um, you know, we get together on the forum. We we sort of plan what the next race is going to be. Um, there's there's sort of nice discussion around the rules, and then there's good banter. So so I really like the you know, I like that the community create them. But that said, I, I do think it's interesting to to stop and think, well, what do we what do we actually want Frontier to do? Um, people say, oh, you know, put racing in the game, put racing in the game. But but what do you actually want from Frontier? So so that was kind of the point of the forum thread. Um, and there's some good feedback. I mean, I, I can whiz through some of the suggestions or we can come on to them, I guess. Yeah, please do. Okay, because uh, I, I did a little summary this, this afternoon. So here we go. This is, these are the sort of things that came up. So um, one of the most common, what was what was interesting, first of all, was actually the suggestions were all very reasonable. They were very toned down. A lot of people were saying, don't go overboard, just do this, just do that. Um, so actually, a lot of the requirements that people have are quite small. Um, so they are things like, adding permanent racing venues. So maybe just some forms of architecture or cities that are a little bit more amenable to racing, more gates, more tunnels to fly through, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, bookmarking came up a lot. People want better bookmarks, not just for racing, but for all sorts of things. And I think, you know, better ability to organize bookmarks and folders. Um, the main one that came up was the ability to place some kind of marker or waypoint or beacon. So to get a drop, gates in space or on planet services and basically lay out your racetrack that came up again and again and again lots of different ideas from simple things like just being able to drop a limpet that lasts as long as the instance to really quite elaborate ideas about um 
kind of bookmarks that are local and then you upload them to your private group and anyone in the private group can see gates which change color when you fly through them. And, um, then they start to get a bit more elaborate. So there's things like um, automated timers and scoreboards. Less interest in that than I imagined. I, th I think because that kind of cuts out the community. That's just one person flying around and putting their three letters into the high score table. And, you know, I don't know that that's that interesting. Track building gets more elaborate, but laying out tracks. A um, couple more. NPC races, not much interest in that. I don't think it would work. They can't even put ships into CQC, so I can't see them putting decent competitors as NPCs. Mm -hmm. uh, and one last one, one last one, or, or kind of a pair, really, which is the idea of, well, promotion and reward. So this comes back to Galnet a little bit, but promotion of races, maybe monthly officially sanctioned races, and maybe some kind of reward, like in squadrons we have exploration, trade, combat, and, you know, best of the month or however that works. If there was some way of scoring races, then just, you know, some sort of tangible reward. You know, Sandling, I'm sure, will say the same, but I spend maybe 50% or more of my time playing this game, doing racing or stuff like that. And I get nothing for it. I get no credit. I get no recognition. I, you know, I, I enjoy it, but I, I kind of get nothing for it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, Jan, do you want to quickly jump in? <laughs> yes, I've, I've been following the thread and also the conversation on here. And I think the biggest enemy of this is persistence and the way the game handles instances. Yeah. So... Uh, you know, unless you have a way of saving tracks and stuff like that, which introduces a whole new level of complexity, I think that side of it is going to be quite limited. I would suggest that perhaps I would suggest that perhaps a way around that would be for Frontier to release um, images of a number of assets in game and issue a challenge to the community to say, right, make a racetrack out of this installation. And they then make a contest out of it, and the winning one three type installation then gets put in game. So you then do that, you then get that community involvement, but then the persistence of it is then catered for. And you can actually probably even use the codex to record best times in it. Um, yeah, so, so there are ways around it, but I think the idea of players creating racetracks like they can in, say, GTA 5. I don't see how that, how that can easily work with the current architecture we've got. Okay, Sunderling. Yeah. Um, I, sorry. Um, I guess I'm kind of to a degree scratching my head because we do design racetracks in the game. Okay, we can't do it entirely within the game and publicize the track in the game. Um, but like one of the things we do in ERF all the time is... A lot of people are always out scouting for potential tracks, potential courses on planet surfaces, or indeed around installations or planetary surface bases or stations. And then once those are in place, uh, what, you, what we'll do is we'll actually draw maps. People will fly around that area. They'll design the track. This is a good turn. This is this is a slower turn. This is a faster turn. You want to follow a fast turn with a slow turn. Then there's a straight and so on and so forth. Those then get mapped out. And what all we do is we take fly up really high, take a screenshot of the surface, or fly away from the base, take a picture of it, um, draw a map on it in paint, <laughs> literally that low tech, and then do a fly-through video. 
so everybody can then see what the track looks like. They can go and practice flying through using the fly through vid, and they've got a map with a, a you know a route map around it. And all we use is the coordinates, so anybody can fly there. Anybody can find it. The track is persistent. Once the track's been done, we all know what it is. So it's it's kind of already there. <laughs> I was coming from I think a, a more automated way of doing it. So rather than relying on players taking pictures and drawing maps and stuff like that, the course automatically pings up the next ring and the next part of the track, and it then records the time that anyone can say. So basically, you can have a go whether you're in open, private group, or solo at the track, and you don't need to do any of this stuff, the organizational stuff that you guys are doing. That was kind of where I was coming from, from the persistence angle. Alec, do you want to jump in there? Yeah, I, I, actually what Sandalins just said there is great. I, I wanted to point out, I forgot to point out for, for listeners that don't sort of know, that there's a kind of fundamental difference between the Buckyville Racing Club and the Elite Races, which is that we, we set up time trials, which last roughly a week, and people can run them whenever they want, and they just submit screenshots, and we maintain the scoreboard for the week. And the elite races are alive in game events mostly, although I believe you have time challenges as well, but I think a lot of what you're about is. But, but fundamentally, I guess we're doing similar things. Uh, it's a really good point that we sort of almost don't need the thing that most of the people in that forum thread were calling out for, which is, which is markers, because there are already tunnels and space stations. And I, I guess on the ground, I mean, if you take the Pemesh Ridge Challenge, for example, which you guys did a few months ago, you know, driving along that ridge in SRVs. It's entirely unnecessary, but it would be very cute if there were actually little gates along that ridge, you know, like little ski race gates. They're totally unnecessary, but it would, it would be cute, <laughs> I guess. Suv? Um, the... When people talk about racing an elite, the, I mean, we've got two people in on the show tonight the buckyball racers do, as Alec explained, they do time trials that norm that, that ordinarily involve um, hyperspace jumps, like multi-system time trials, which are more accurate. They are races, but they're not high octane, edge of the seat, real time no. wing, wingtip to wingtip races. They're they're more. How much can you engage with the game's features in a short amount of time? Um, yeah. yeah, and they encourage creatively approaching that problem. Um, the elite races uh, do the high octane wingtip to wingtip stuff. They're completely different, and there is arguably it's not obvious how you'd how the devs would make the buckyball formula better. Really, um, I mean, potentially there are easier ways of checking people's times than just sharing screenshots. Um, and Alec would be able to 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 chip on on that more. But I think that for the latter, for the for the the real time stuff, there is a massive um, there is a massive role for uh, for devs in improving um, racing should they want to. And that is, um, I, I've done a bit of race organizing, so I know exactly what Sandling means when he when he's talks about flying above it and then bringing up MS Paint and drawing a red line on it. We, you know, that's that's the way of doing it. It's, um, and making the race videos so that people can practice it beforehand. That is the way that you can get people used to a, like a canyon circuit, whatever. It's quite time consuming, both for the person organizing it and for the people wanting to participate, because they have to practice it beforehand so that they can learn it. If you had deployable race markers that were just just canisters that lasted as long as the instance that fired a, that shot a laser in the air um, to to show where a corner was, 
you could have people that just drop in, they'd see the markers and be like, okay, that's the where the racetrack is. Um, and unless the ca- unless the canyon is incredibly obvious and just a circuit, which nearly all of them are not, it's very very difficult to do to do a racetrack without the participants practicing quite a lot. Otherwise, they just get lost. Something. Yeah, I, th- I think you're actually right there. I mean, I suppose, I suppose fundamentally, but but what I think would be really great, and um, and certainly some of the stuff that we we feedback that we got back on the ERF Discord. Things like, you know, the adverts, you know, like on the side of stations or on, on bases mm-hmm. and things. Yes. You know, if you could get those in a way that they could interact. So as somebody flew past them, they'd flash a color or, you know, as a stretch goal, flash the ship ID. Something like that, which would make it visibly obvious that somebody had passed a, a key point. You know what I mean? Um, I'm personally a little bit more leery of things like gates to fly through because... Um, basically when you're flying wingtip to wingtip with other people um you, you might well fly the right route you just might not fit through the gate <laughs> and that could um that could be quite interesting um i i mean i i think but the core principle of people needing to put a little bit of work in up front and learn the course and fly it properly um for me is kind of a key part of racing um, um it, it is putting yeah, that work yeah. in it is practicing it is having that adrenaline so that when you're all lined up there on the start and there's like i don't know eight ten other races around you and you're watching the clock and you're waiting for it to hit zero and hit boost and go you've only got your own practice there to work from and you know if it if everything was just laid out in nice pretty lights in front of you and you could just fly it all the way around i think that would actually take away a lot of the challenge and a lot of the competitive um the competitive spirit and fun that goes with the racing um but of course it would be very good to help people practice and to get into racing as an activity in the game so i'm kind of on the fence with it really okay alec i just had a question for sandling actually i was curious whether um because i'm because i'm never online at the right time of day to get involved in that stuff really um i just wondered whether what sort of numbers they get so I'm guessing. I'm guessing there'll be a core group that turn up to every race, and then they'll get new people. But I just wonder if they if they struggle to get people to come along like we do. <laughs> um, it's it's quite an interesting point in the sense that uh, so it depends. If it's an official ERF an, an official ERF course, there's actually quite good turnouts. Um, I mean, I, I've I've certainly seen eight, ten, twelve people showing up, and it's not always the same people. You do get new people coming in and new people you know older people peeling off kind of thing um yeah so okay it's, yeah it's it's just a good mix because 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 my sort of follow-up to that and i suppose we get same numbers we might we might get a dozen or something and i guess they are good numbers and particularly because like i'm going to have to be doing this next week i'm going to have to be checking screenshots if a hundred people turned up i'd kind of be screwed <laughs> but um but on on the other hand you've got like a million people playing elite and you just wonder where where the other nine hundred and ninety thousand are, why you only get eight? And I, I, I guess I guess I sort of wonder what the block is. So I know for our races, I do see people saying, "Oh, the whole thing of submitting screenshots is a faff." It doesn't seem like much of a faff, but it's clearly it clearly puts people off. Shan, do you want to jump in? Yeah, I was just going on the um, on the comment about the time spent needing to practice, and for me, that's all part of the racing genre. I mean, if you were, yeah, I don't think Lewis Hamilton drives around Spa the first time and has the right record. You know, he he 
goes around that course until it's in muscle memory. And that's part of the reason why he's such a phenomenal driver and racer. So that practice part of it, I think if you're going to be competitive, you have to be committed to the practice. And whether it's a time section by the game or whether it's done by screenshots or video is irrelevant. If you want to get good, you have to practice. Sunderland. Yeah, I think you're absolutely spot on. And, um, you know, I think that the, the, another great uh, part of the difficulty is, is obviously with the net code as it currently stands at the minute, the more people show up, the harder things are going to be. Um, and that is particularly true around installations. So last year we did we did a, a breakout series and we raced around the Dangoni drive yards um, and the Zilano medical installation and the the everybody's favorite, the squirrel's nest down Pliony. Um, and, and, and those were great because at the time we didn't have billions of NPCs spawning and lagging everybody. <laughs> but now, of course, the more people you get in there, you're getting more and more spawns in those instances and, and, and very rapidly they become kind of unraceable. And I think even down on planet surfaces there's something similar in the sense that, you know, if you were having 50 people, 100 people show up, you're going to have massive instancing problems and massive lag issues. Um, you know, so, but there's ways around that. You can do team-based races, you can run points based on who's coming in where, and um, and I suppose the nice thing with the, with the live races is that you always know who passes over the finish line first. So, um, but yeah, you know. So, if you were saying... Um, I I take the point that Shannon and Sunderling make about the prep being part of the the charm. I, I do I do get that there there is a, there is a sense of something accomplished um, and a sort of I guess a, a pleasure of the fact that you've you've created that content out of essentially nothing um, and um, and the prep is you know it's part of the achievement for the the participants. I just. I just think that, that there are parallels here with the exploration update, and there were people who were sort of arguing that um, that oh, if you could, you know, if you can, if you can just um, if you can jump in and just do the the FSS at the um, at the primary, then people won't, you know, flying all the way out there was was part of the charm sort of thing. Um, and I guess if if the game had been released with something like deployable race limpets that you that you drop in an instance and they and they project a hologram uh, gate or or marker or something um, so that you could uh, and you could put say I don't know maximum of twenty in an instance and they'd last for as long as players were in the instance um, if they'd been there since the beginning you you wouldn't have people starting forum threads saying hey I've got a good idea let's get rid of them. How much more charming would it be if we had to do this by screenshotting it and drawing a red line on Microsoft Paint? You know that wouldn't happen. We don't. I, I I I do agree that there is an element of charm as it is at the moment, but this isn't. You know, we're not emulating the amount of grind that goes into Lewis Hamilton's victories. That's not what games are about. It's about making it fun and more accessible. So those numbers don't. They don't necessarily need to lead to 100 per race, but they could lead. They could lead to more races and more. And therefore, more people partaking. I mean, I'm actually curious. I mean, which guy prefer? Would you prefer um, Frontier to say, right, we'll, we'll put down a couple of custom-made tracks, uh, either uh, either obviously uh, some kind of uh, based on Grand Prix circuits or something like that for mm -hmm. SRVs at these particular mm -hmm. locations, 
or or similarly around installations they've got the rings that they're going to put into the tutorials that people can then use to uh to uh, organize their own races i mean how did how did how does that feel do, do you mean would we prefer that to player placeable marches yes or? yeah i don't know um I mean, a little bit like Sandling says, in a way, there's there's already good stuff out there. I mean, an- another thing I think that, that prompted this discussion a little bit, um, I think that maybe the Burr Pit saw it originally or something, but I, I just posted a video of me flying, um, flying a ship launch fighter through some gates around a planetary city. Mm-hmm. And it was... It was kind of almost a perfect circuit, but there were some like annoying buildings and things in the way. Now, I guess you could say that was part of the fun of it, but you could sort of see the city, you know, you could imagine if you had something like a derelict, one of those cities, which maybe had no NPCs, which might be interesting as well. And it just had things that had fallen over that made natural archways. And I, I do think you could make some, some really nice venues and there's an interesting point as well, is is if you have, well, I, I guess the elite racers have this already with places like Squirrel's Nest, but if you have a, a venue, a focus for racing, then is that good or, or is that bad? Do, do you get griefers at um, your races, Sandling? Yeah, Sandling, you're next. Nah, I've never, never experienced that, ever. Um, uh, <laughs> I, I doubt they'd keep up with us anyway. <laughs> um, um, <laughs> yeah, we're all doing 900 plus. Yeah, good luck. <laughs> um, anyway, but no, the, the, the kind of key thing I think is it. I, 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 I think if if there were tools and more spaces and venues, it, it's kind of like like if you had cities and that Alec, your idea of derelict things or, or bits with cities with fallen over stuff and things to yeah, fall more space, cha- 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 yeah, challenging assets in a way. And, there are, and I'm not saying because there are many assets and you can design challenging tracks around them. So, you know, just having having a variety of assets to use, and obviously there are millions of planets out there that are perfectly usable. Um, if you did have markers, um, and uh, you know, that were either persistent or, or only persistent insofar as long as the ability to to dump them yourself. I mean, remember, everybody can share coordinates. So marker one here, marker two there, marker three, five minutes, set the course up, then bang, you're good to go. So I think, you know, deployable markers, visual things which show people passing them, more assets, all absolutely cool. I think as well, I mean, it is just largely a question of more people getting involved. I think the, I mean, somebody on the, I noticed on Twitch was talking about the accessibility of it. And I think that, I suppose part of what, for, for me personally, the attraction to racing is the different way that you have to fly. It isn't the same thing as flying in combat. It isn't the same thing as flying in, in really any other way. It's far more, mm, yeah. far, far, and, and you've got to learn how to do that. And it's, and it's awesome when you, when, when, when you get it right. Um, so attracting more people to that style of play by making things more accessible and giving people the flexibility of dumping a racetrack down anywhere would be fantastic. I mean, would you would you like it so that um, it's kind of like uh, not a death race, but um, there's, there was old stories in 2000 AD called Super Surf Seven and the Midnight Surfer, where they would race around the these set tracks. But of course, you had to avoid fire from 
um, from ground cannons and, and there were difficult obstacles that could just wipe you out straight away. I mean, would those kind of additional things add a little bit of spice and attract more people to it? Um, probably. But we, I, we have a standing joke. It's like um, PVE. Nothing is as dangerous as E at 900. <laughs> that'll wipe you out. That'll wipe you out pretty quick. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I think you know, any love at all is good. Anything that gets more people interested is good. Anything that makes it accessible is good. Um, I think that the you know the the, the concern is, is just like um, in, 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 people just got to get involved. It's fun, you know. Yeah. Do you guys use mines at all? No. Um, believe me, I mean, like, if, if, if like, if Fat Haggard makes a really technical type track, which is incredibly difficult, your focus is really a hundred percent of your focus is just making turns. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I was wondering about, um, I was wondering about adding a sort of, I don't know, like a competitive, destructive sort of angle to it, but, um, no, you mean like wipeout? Yeah, yes, exactly. That's exactly what. You can have a wipeout league. It'd be cool. <laughs> <laughs> That's suggested by Bitstorm on the uh, on the chat. Uh, Alec, do you want to jump in there? <laughs> yeah, wipeouts come out quite a lot in that forum. Um, yeah, there was there was another little side to that forum thread that I, I guess I wanted to mention at this point, which is downsides, uh, and there was some reluctance as well. Not much, but a little bit. And I just thought they were interesting. Um, a couple of people expressed just a general sort of reticence over Elite becoming a like racing game, in quotes. And I, I guess Wipeout's a good example. I, I don't think that's an issue. You know, I don't think um, the introduction of the mining stuff makes Elite a mining game. You don't have to go and do mining if you don't want to. As long as it doesn't become too obvious. You know, if, if somewhere like Sand 2 or Squirrel's Nest suddenly has obvious flamethrowers and things, you know, for sort of death race cars. But then it starts to get a bit cheesy, maybe, and, and people who aren't into racing will go, oh, these races have made it all a bit silly now, and, and they'll walk away from the game. I wouldn't want that. Um, I think there's a general fear, which which came across in people's fairly simple suggestions, that anything elaborate, Frontier probably, sorry, Frontier, if you're listening, pro- probably wouldn't do as well as people hoped, and it would be a bit poor and kind of would weaken things, if anything. Um, there was a fear about permanent venues attracting murder hobos. It's interesting. Sandling says that doesn't happen. It, it doesn't happen to us either, really. Um, yeah, e- even things like the planetary expedition that I staged, you know, we, I was convinced we were going to get griefed on day one of that. We had, like, Colo turn up and the Burr Pit turn up. And, yeah, I don't know. Maybe maybe we're, the numbers are too small, don't they? Um, and the final one was, like, if players can place beacons or race markers, then that can obviously result in TTP, time to penis, and um, result in, like, you know, <laughs> emerging-breaking galactic clutter generally. Oh, yeah, because, you know, <laughs> if, we, if we get the ability to drop markers, yeah. you know, what the first yeah. racetrack is going yeah. to be, isn't it? It's a good point. If everyone's got, like, 20 markers at their disposal, say... I don't know, whatever, and Sandling lays out a nice course and I lay out a nice course. The rest of the galaxy is just going to, you know, there's just going to be litter everywhere. You won't be able to make out the race markers for the for the swear words. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I've completely forgotten the point that I was going to make. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> it's all right. 
Um, I mean, as far as racing, I mean, I don't think uh, this is one thing that gets me where everybody starts going, oh, it's turning it into a racing game. There's this, there's enough of other things out there that, you know, it's only one little thing that's been added to the sandbox. It's not replacing the whole yeah, function. Yeah, I, I think Frontier need to, if they were to do anything, they, they just need to be a little bit cautious not to tip the balance. You know, if there's one too many racing hollow ads or something, then I can see people suddenly going, mm, they've spoiled it. And I would never want that. I really Shan? can't see that happening. No, probably not. No. Shen, you want to jump in there? Yes, I was just about to say about the the littering aspect. I mean, that's why I suggested Frontier running a competition and then choosing the best ones. Because while it's great to have user-generated content, um, one of the things I've been told uh, is against the whole user-generated content thing in games is that it then has to be checked and verified. And by the time you've been through the exercise of checking and verifying it, you may as well have done it yourself as a developer. Yeah. So having a contest where you choose the five best and it's then added then, I think, saves a lot of work. As to it, whether it make a racing game, to be honest, I'm a bit, I think that's a bit churlish, to be honest, because... Mm-hmm. You know, the just because you can drive an SRV doesn't make Elite a um, Euro truck simulator. If you see what I mean, yeah, it's it's not. Don't that say that; cool. you'll get Grant excited. And heaven forbid that would happen. Yeah, um, yeah. So I, I think the way around that is just a a contest, and also I think it would drive creativity. I mean, if you've ever played Grand Theft Auto and some of the custom tracks there, some of them are completely horrible and stupid and pointless, but some are really fantastic. And having that contest, I think, would help filter out would be good for the bad. Sunderling. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> a bit of music. <laughs> um, no, I, I just wanted to point out that, that good track design is especially for i mean i can't speak for the the buckyball side of things but certainly on the erf side good track design requires a fairly nuanced eye and an understanding a pretty in-depth understanding of exactly how race ships handle with real races on a real racetrack hmm. um yeah. i mean i i Chan, i take your point entirely about quality control shall we say and um but i wouldn't necessarily <laughs> I, I don't know, and sorry, Frontier, if you're listening again, um, but I don't know whether they would be in the best necessary position to judge what constitutes... Do you know what I mean? It's it's almost like... Um, I, I think that the guys who are designing tracks, and I'm not one of them, you know, the guys that, but the guys that are designing the tracks, um, they do a fantastic job, and, 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 it, and it makes community events really good fun. Um, but those guys have got a lot of practice in doing that. And I think that actually, <laughs> for want of a better phrase, competitive track design is an awesome idea. I'm just not sure whether or not that, that would be a, a frontier judgeable thing. I think in a way it'd be like, you got to let folks fly them and then put it to the wider vote. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> um, the, uh, I, I, one thing that, uh, that came out of the leak 
um, from April, I think, was that um, as well as the um, all the predictions about Planet Zoo and stuff, um, one thing that was predicted for Elite Dangerous was base building as being part of the um, as being part of the 2020 release. Um, if that is the case, and that that leak has been proven correct in in every, I think everything else that it's predicted so far across all of Frontiers games, if base building is part of the 2020 update, it would be perfectly plausible that um, the ability to build bases will naturally, uh, sorry, build racetracks will naturally emerge from that. If you can, if you can build a structure on a planet or in space that could be used as a gate or um, or whatever. Um, then automatically the the perceived problem of there not being enough racing support in the game would potentially nearly solve itself. Um, Alec, what do you reckon? Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. I meant to say that actually. I, I think Shan mentioned that early on the, the the problem with gates and anything like that is is persistence, and that is true now. But but you're you're dead right. They, you know, as far as we know, they're talking about base building, and so you know, surely. They, they, there must be some workaround or, or solution to the persistence problem with base building, and um, yeah, that could be that could be repurposed for laying tracks or all sorts of things. Uh, base building is unconfirmed, so we don't really know how that's going to work. Well, it be is, honest. but e- but everything else in that room has come true, so it's it's looking like a pretty solid rumor, really, isn't it? I think so. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of people are are, are making that assumption, but uh, us at Live Radio, we don't. Because <laughs> you never know, some things might be dropped, some things might be changed uh, until uh, until it comes out. Well, until they tell us, we you'll never know for certain. So um, yeah, the uh, does anybody have any other points they'd like to raise about uh, the possibility of these tracks or racing in general? Not for me, I don't think. No, I think I'm done. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I just want to pay tribute to the inventiveness and dedication of of the racing groups and people who go racing because Elite is not designed to be a racing game, and the fact that people have managed to, uh, as I said before, find their own racing cardboard box and generate this content from what is a very bare bones thing. I think it's a real credit to people's imagination and skill. Okay, uh, that's yeah. I mean, I'll I'll have to agree with you there, Shan. Uh, I mean, there's no tools, there's nothing there. The, the guys just do it for the, the joy of it. So, I mean, we we are not worthy to quote uh, Wayne's World, but um, Sanderling. I just wanted to make a bit of a plug. Fat Haggard's got some plans afoot for August the 25th with ERF, if anybody's interested. Um, you'll find our Discord. Um, and uh, I think uh, there's a, a page on Reddit as well, Elite Racers on Reddit. So go check it out. Thank you. Yeah, um, well, if you can pass it as your, um, your uh, Discord address, we'll put that in the show notes for you. Uh, Alec? I was just going to chip in on Chan's comment about the, you know, our imagination to do it and stuff. Elite was begging for it. Elite was absolutely begging for it. I mean, you. Uh, one of the things that people say they love about Elite is is you know getting to fly spaceships and and specifically the flight model. You know, the, the ships in Elite and the and, and the SRV actually just feel and handle that they have this amazing weight and momentum and they feel terrific. Racing is such an obvious thing to do. Um, and and yeah, if we're doing plugs, then um, all I'm gonna I'm gonna keep this fairly secret but um 
hot off the press and get uh, Sagittarius Eye on Thursday. Oh, no. Someone buy a beer. <laughs> oh, I oh, didn't no. say it. It was Alex. No, it doesn't count. <laughs> that doesn't count. Yeah, quite right. Cheers. Oh, okay. Um, well, we're going to uh, leave that there. So, um, well, thanks to Sandling and uh, thanks to Alec for joining us and, and um, uh, talking to us about, like I said, moving very fast. Um, so, uh, quickly, bef- uh, there doesn't seem to be much in the way of community news this week, unfortunately, say, to say. Um, so, has anybody got any final business they'd like to um, to braise before I give everybody the standard shout-outs? Not from me. Nope. Oh. Is Frontier cutting back on community um, news as well? It's not just Galnet. Well, that... They're cutting it, back in. Well, the, they're cutting back in our community shoutouts. That's not on. Well, no, the, the community shoutouts have are cut back because we are. Um, uh, <laughs> uh, we're we've been a bit busy this week. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Oh yeah, I, I remember. Wait a second, I've got to find my casualty music. Yeah, just because a lot of us have been in hospital. Really? Incoming copyright strike. <laughs> Again. That was under eight seconds. Thanks. I'm okay, we're good, we're clear. We're in the clear. <laughs> well, quickly, um, our sister station at Orbital Radio, that broadcasts on a Thursday at half past eight uh, GMT. You can tune in at tv.forthemug.com or just for the audio at radio.forthemug.com. Uh, anything... We need to worry about Cubicle 3 escaping from Cubicle 3 this week, Grant? Um, I don't think so. Uh, I think we're trying to get more people to go into Cubicle 3. Um, something we didn't mention is, does anybody know how many cards are in Spider-Man's um, Elite Dangerous Battle Cards game? No, but I've got a sneaking suspicion that you'll tell us. I don't know, but they're doing a reveal of a card a day in the run-up to their launch, and I was trying to work out if we could calculate when that would be by how many cards they've got left to go. <laughs> and if it's not out then, well, you've, if you've saved them all, you can print your own. <laughs> <laughs> oh. I didn't mean that Spider-Man, no, but yeah, do check them out on uh, was it edrpg.co.uk or their edbattlecards.co.uk and check that out. Because yeah. they're also doing the other other games as well, so follow them on Facebook and you'll get all this stuff. But they've been tweeting them out and some of the cards look spectacularly sexy. They if, do. If you're into they really that. They really do. I'm jealous, considering makes my card design look look shameful. Um, for the discerning uh, commander who likes a bit of CQC action, you can check out the CQC Discord at discord.me slash elite dangerous CQC, all one word. Um, uh, these guys arrange uh, CQC matches on the PC, uh, the Xbox, and the PlayStation 4. Um, uh, again, tonight we've had about three or four messages uh, uh, calling for new players in the game, so it is quite an active group. Um, so we'd just like to uh, thank everybody that's joined us tonight. So that would be uh, Commander Psycho Cow, Commander Shan, uh, Commander Kurgle, uh, Commander Souverine, and of course uh, Alec Turner and uh, Commander Sandling. 
Uh, <laughs> uh oh, feeling icky, Grant. Yeah, it is. The longer okay. I sit, the more that pain comes back. So yeah. <clears throat> well, on on that note. That's it for another episode of Lave Radio. If you like to get in touch with the show, you can email info radio.com. It is up on facebook.com slash laveradio. Tweet is at, at laveradio. Uh, you can join our Discord server by going to discord.io laveradio. Uh, we also have a TeamSpeak server where commanders come, hang out and chat. And you can find that at teamspeak.laveradio.com, which we share with the Hutton Orbital Truckers. Um, now, do get in touch if you have any questions or if there's anything you'd like to discuss uh, in a future episode. Lave Radio is recorded live on a Tuesday evening at half past eight GMT and streamed out laveradio.com slash live uh, following this broadcast we will have uh, a galnet news from the fantastic commander Peter Witherspoon uh, but until next time commanders fly safe and if you can't do that fly dangerous hello Thirteenth of August, thirty-three oh five. We read the news so you don't have to. In this week's news, massive influx to New Colonia gets underway. My little thyroid. Controversial festival comes to Fector. Princess Ashling's porn star name. Massive influx to New Colonia gets underway. 
Aegis Research is working with all three superpowers to aggressively colonise the Witchhead sector and expel the native Thargoids, according to an upbeat press release dated 8th of August. In addition to the existing stations, which are well on the way to being fully repaired, seven planetary bases have already been established, one of which is Chloe Sedesi's engineering facility. Sedesi, a protégé of Professor Palin, and who offers exactly the same engineering modifications, requires exactly the same steps to unlock, leading some to speculate that Sedesi is in fact a clone of the good professor. Professor Albert Tesro of Aegis has stated once again how grateful he is for all the help Aegis has received from commanders to eliminate the Thargoid race from the Witchhead sector and take their meta-alloys, which are so vital to developing weapons for killing Thargoids. My Little Thargoid The technology broker who's moved into Bray Landing has a special treat for migrants to the new colonia of the Witchhead Sector. A cute little Thargoid plushy bobblehead. In order to earn the right to display this beautiful trinket, commanders are asked to bring the still-beating heart of a freshly slaughtered Thargoid that died in agonising pain. Some believe that the soul of the murdered Thargoid is trapped inside the bobblehead, and that the very best examples of the My Little Thargoid bobblehead will scream in agony, loneliness and desolation, in a highly amusing way. Controversial Festival Comes to Fecta It's home to the insular ancients of Moon, and controlled by the expansionist Perez Ring Brewery. But this week, the venerable system of Fecta plays host to the cultural imperialism of the Alliance of Independent Systems, whose festival juggernaut has rolled into town for what's being billed as the greatest gig in the galaxy. Performances include the Topaz Philharmonic performing Gustav Mahler's Symphony of a Thousand as well as more contemporary performances from galactic megastars Jade Graceland and spectacular Nemesis. Topping the bill will be singer-songwriter Ziona, who hasn't performed in public for more than ten years. Let's hope those stick-in-the-mud independents of the Ancients of Mumu turn out to the concerts to see what the Alliance can deliver, as well as freedom and justice, when it takes over a system. Princess Ashling's porn star name. Following Galnet's announcement that it will no longer cover galactic politics and that it will instead concentrate on advertising community goals and reviewing new ships, it seems that readers may be justified in their concern that Galnet's journalistic standards are slipping. With concerns over the low readership of Galnet, a radical overhaul has been planned to generate more clicks. Here are some of the proposed new headlines. What the scribbling senator knows about Rexler will surprise you. He set course for Hutton Orbital. What happened next blew his mind. 
This is the one thing Calico Zack doesn't want you to know. Pilot uses simple trick to cut his fuel bills. You'll never believe what you'll find at Void Opal Hotspots. When you read these shocking facts, you'll never want to jump through hyperspace again. When she shipped 4,000 slaves to Tilbury Construction, Zamina Torval didn't expect this terrible thing to happen. You won't believe what Gan Romero did to this DBX. 10 Reasons the Pilots' Federation Wants You to Stop Flying Until December 3306 And that's this week's Galnet News. Galnet News, we read the news so you don't have to.